Breville buys Lalit for $113 million. Australian group Breville, which markets their coffee machines in the UK under the brand Sage, has purchased Italian espresso equipment manufacturer Lalit for $113 million total consideration. Under the deal, Lalit will receive half of the total sum in cash, and the rest as ordinary shares in Breville Group. The founders will take a seat on the board at Breville, and their shares will be locked in for five years, meaning they can't sell them during this period. Companies do this in order to incentivize the recipients to grow the share value over a period of time. Lalit had been gaining market share in recent years, and their mixture of innovation, while maintaining a traditional design, saw them gaining a lot of fans both in Europe and in the USA. Lalit machines were seen as exceptional value in the marketplace, with the top-line dual-boiler Bianca, becoming an affordable grail machine, with features like pressure profiling and walnut trim. They secured a good deal. Lalit was a privately owned company, so we can't be sure about their finances or profitability level, but the valuation the company achieved was impressive. By accepting 50% of the proceeds in stock, with a five-year lock-in, they will have helped push that valuation number up. It's speculation, but we suspect that Breville paid a significant premium over the regular multiple of EBITDA, earnings before interest tax, depreciation, and amortization. Breville's strategy and the future of Lalit. It's also notable that CEO Jim Clayton has invited the founders of Lalit to the board, something that didn't happen with the founders of Baratza, the manufacturers of coffee grinders, who sold to Breville in 2020. The founders of Baratza were looking to retire, so this made sense. Mauro Epis from Lalit is decidedly youthful and full of ideas however, and I think this also explains some of the premium Breville likely paid, as well as their five-year lock-in. There was some discussion and concern over Breville's plan with Baratza when they took it over, but since the acquisition there have been no obvious changes. The website barely mentions they belong to the group, and there have been no integrations into Breville's machines as we had expected. So, is Breville just making acquisitions in order to do something with their cash pile? Or do they have a strategy? I think Jim Clayton is playing a long game, and I think it's a clever move. You may recall that last year we wrote about how Breville is well positioned to add smart functionality to their machines, to allow for tighter integration with roasters. Using the information it would know about the roast profile of certain beans, it would be able to make quality espresso-based drinks, perhaps not perfectly, but it would get you in the ballpark. The grinder and brew mechanisms would communicate and understand if they were producing a shot within certain parameters. This month, Breville launched Beans.com, an online bin subscription service, and I think this is a sleeper business, that is, one where the true purpose and value is only revealed later. Each acquisition on its own looks of limited value, but combined together, and the strategy starts to become clear. Breville and Lalit will serve different markets. Jim Clayton has previous experience in private equity, learning the craft of creating large companies under Ramesh Wadwani at Symphony Technology, and then working at LG in Korea on Internet of Things, IoT. This is not a man with small ideas, or who is afraid of technology. I may not know how Jim plans to build out a global coffee empire, combining smart technology with specialty coffee, but I'm convinced this is his ambition. Breville will be the kitchen appliance. I believe it is possible that Breville will continue to evolve as a coffee appliance, with more software development and a similar kitchen-friendly appeal, although one in which they address the repairability of the machines, to give them a more sustainable longer lifespan. Lalit and Baratza will be the prosumer brand. They will remove their higher-end machines like the Oracle, from the Breville product range however, perhaps rationizing the appliance line to three machines, 
and introduce Lalit and Baratza companies together, under a pro-umbrella brand, that will take over the high ground at Breville. I expect the new equipment to incorporate new innovations, more software advances, and target the prosumer market willing to spend 1,000 to 3,000 euros. They will leave the upper end of the market to companies like La Marzocco, Slayer, and Victoria Arduino, but take market share from companies like ECM, Profitech and even Rocket. Summary. Jim Clayton is a smart guy, born in America, but well-traveled, and now living in Australia. He's building a portfolio of products and is pulling together his exec team to execute the strategy. His board of directors until now, didn't have anyone from a coffee background, yet when reviewing their annual report, it was hard not to notice that the front page, was all images of coffee machines. It will take time to pull all this together, but over the next three years, I think the team at Lalit, will be hard at work putting the pieces together. If they succeed, they could make Breville one of the most valuable coffee equipment companies globally. For the sake of transparency, I purchased shares in Breville. I don't own any meaningful amount and you should not consider anything I say as advice, as I have no special information or insight. Californian chain Blue Bottle Coffee has opened its first mainland China store in Shanghai on February 25th. The Californian chain is a pioneer of the third-wave coffee culture, where the emphasis is placed on high-quality beans sourced from individual farmers, and lightly roasted to bring out distinct flavors. Blue Bottle has an already strong presence in Asia, with locations in Japan, South Korea, and Hong Kong. Its entrance into the Chinese mainland market is part of its expansion of presence in the region. Located in a historical building near Suzhou Creek, the opening gathered a crowd of 200 to 300 people even before the doors opened at 8 a.m. According to Nikkei Asia, a woman in line had waited since 6.30 a.m. that day, just to buy a cappuccino and cafe latte. Mainland China is a saturated market. Shanghai alone has 6,913 coffee shops, based on a 2021 private sector survey. Blue Bottle CEO Carl Strovink nevertheless stated that the country is a strategic market for the company, and one where it sees a long future. While Blue Bottle has captured the hearts of coffee lovers in the US as well as some Asian countries, Chinese coffee consumers might not be too keen on the premium price of coffee that the chain offers, especially when there are numerous cheaper alternatives around from local competitors like Manor Coffee and Luckin, which has made a remarkable comeback from the brink of bankruptcy. JDE Peets reported a rise of 2% in its full-year core profit, exceeding analysts' expectations. The company is also predicting a stable gross profit for 2022 in spite of inflation. JDE Peets is one of the largest coffee companies in the world, and also owns a range of coffee and tea brands including Lore, Pickwick, Sensio, Tassimo and Tiora. It sells its coffee mostly at supermarkets, but also has a small business in coffee shops led by Peets, a popular brand in the US. Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization, EBITDA, totaled 1.3 billion euros, approximately 1.42 billion US dollars, for the full year. This was an improvement over analysts' expectations, which expected the figure to remain unchanged from 2020, at 1.28 billion euros. Fabian Simon, JDE Pete's chief executive officer, stated that he was confident the company would successfully navigate an unprecedented year of inflation in 2022. The coffee company is also forecasting double-digit sales growth in the current year, but expects stable gross profit. 
It remains the aim for medium-term sales growth of 3-5% and single-digit operating profit growth. Martin D. Boo, an analyst for Jefferies, a broker, stated that while both earnings and sales were better than expected in 2021, the company's forecast of stable gross profit in 2022 implies presumably material uncertainty around marketing and wage costs. The analyst predicts a decline in operating profit in 2022 and listed the shares as likely to underperform. Nestle USA announced a $675 million investment to build a new beverage facility in Glendale, Arizona. The company released the following statement. As the current leader in the creamer and flavored milk categories, Nestle's investment strengthens its market position and enhances its manufacturing capabilities to meet increased consumer demand for its products. The factory will produce high-quality creamers for Nestle's category-leading portfolio, including the Coffee Mate, Coffee Mate Natural Bliss, and Starbucks brands, with the ability to expand to additional beverages in the future. Beverages play an increasingly important role in the lives of consumers, a trend that's been accelerated by the pandemic and is expected to continue to grow. This investment illustrates our continued commitment to leading and growing categories where we play, providing consumers with a variety of high-quality, innovative products to meet their needs, said Daniel Jung, president of Beverage, Nestle USA. We appreciate the partnership from state and local officials and look forward to contributing to the local economy in Glendale community for many years to come, including through the creation of over 350 jobs. Arizona provides an ideal environment for Nestle's operations, offering close proximity to customers and consumers in the western U.S., reducing transport timelines and emissions. Nestle selecting Arizona is great news, said Governor Doug Ducey. Manufacturing in our state is surging and Nestle's decision adds to this momentum, as well as bringing diversification to this fast-growing sector of our economy. Over the past two years, Nestle in the U.S. has invested nearly $3 billion to enhance its manufacturing footprint and in-house capabilities, from new factories and expansions to operational changes that help meet its sustainability targets. The new Glendale facility is set to open in 2024 joining Nestle USA's robust network of 14 existing food and beverage factories across the U.S. It will be the company's most technologically advanced factory and distribution center, utilizing innovative digital tools and offering flexibility to meet the changes in consumer demand. The factory will be 630,000 square feet and will sit on 143.6 net acres of land in Glendale. We are honored to welcome the largest food and beverage company to Glendale's new frontier, said Glendale Mayor Jerry Wires. Their commitment to long-term positive impact aligns directly with the city's vision and we look forward to having them join our community. The significant impact of their fiscal investment and the jobs created will be seen for years to come. This facility will be designed with sustainability at the forefront, including a water recycling process to reduce water usage, zero waste to landfill and fully recyclable product packaging made from food-safe recycled plastic. Also, in support of the company's ambition for zero environmental impact in its operations by 2030, the facility will strive for 100% renewable energy by 2025. Nestle will bring more than 350 jobs to the community, hiring for professional staff, manufacturing and production leaders, technical staff, engineers and more. Hiring will begin this summer and continue throughout 2023.
The amount of coffee exported by Brazil in February 2022 was 3.441 million 60 kilograms bags, representing a drop of 13.6% over last year's figure of 3.983 million bags. The result can be explained in part by the short season this year, Brazil has alternating long and short harvest cycles. Exports of ground, roast and soluble coffee also fell 5.4% to 294,713 bags. President of the Council of Coffee Exporters of Brazil, CCAFE, Nicolas Rueda commented, We are far from normal, with a lot of instability, alternating good weeks with bad ones, since the availability of containers and spaces on ships is still insufficient to transport what was dammed up in the port and to embark the loads that are arriving for export. The exported level is reasonably in line with expectations and supported by an overall improvement in shipping logistics, although we'll have to see if that is maintained going forward after geopolitical events may create an impact. Rueda commented that this was actually a positive result. There was an improvement in the logistics scenario, which contributed to last month's performance. However, we are far from normal, with enough instability, alternating good weeks with bad ones, because the availability of containers and spaces in ships remain insufficient to drain what was dammed in the port and ship the cargoes that are coming for export. Requiring the logistics departments of exporters to anticipate the confirmation of their bookings for the consolidation of their volumes. Rueda also commented that the country was seeing strong demand for their coniferous, robusta, coffee. This is seen as a reaction to the high price of Arabica, which has been impacted by a number of problems, including the deadly frost in Brazil and lower production in other countries. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has become a hotbed for coffee over the last 18 months. Tim Horton's Middle East franchisee, AG Cafe, plans to have over 200 coffee shops by 2024 to increase the brand's presence in the country. At present, AG Cafe has 90 coffee shops in the country and more than 190 cafes in the Gulf Cooperation Council, GCC. As a result of its success in the region, the company plans to expand its presence in other countries such as the UAE, Qatar, Bahrain, and Oman, as well as in Kuwait and Egypt. The CEO of AG Cafe, Hesham Al-Makawi stated. Saudi Arabia is one of the most important markets for the growth and expansion of Tim Horton's cafes in the Middle East. AG Cafe seeks to continue offering its guests an unparalleled Tim Horton's experience to become everyone's cafe of choice. He continued to say that the company is witnessing great support from the Saudi government as part of its strategy to attract foreign investments and diversify its sources of revenue to achieve its 2030 economic vision. AG Cafe relocated its main office to Riyadh in 2021, due to the considerable growth of the economic market in the country, making it the first global food and beverage business to relocate to Saudi Arabia. Austrian brand Greenesso recently launched refillable Nespresso coffee capsules made of stainless steel that aims to guarantee a premium coffee experience every time without the guilt of difficult-to-recycle aluminium capsules. We assume the name comes from an amalgamation of the words green and Nespresso, and while it's not very catchy, it does describe its purpose clearly. 
The brand, founded by Mario Cus, started its concept and prototypes back in June 2020 and launched a Kickstarter campaign in March 2022, with a deadline of April 1 for mass production. Along with its stainless steel refillable coffee capsules, Greeniso also offers a little coffee dispenser, made from eco-friendly bioplastic that allows users to refill the capsules with ground coffee. The company looks on track to meet their Kickstarter target, but we feel that there's not enough differentiation to make this a runaway winner, and the design could be improved if they were able to simplify it. According to the company, the Greeniso device and capsules are easy to use. Fill the coffee dispenser with the preferred ground of coffee, compress and seal the capsule, press the head of the locking unit, and the finished capsule is ready. Compatible with all original Nespresso machines and for all types of coffee, these refillable coffee capsules give you the flexibility of adjusting the filling quantity and exact pressing depth to control the extraction. The company stated, at Greeniso, we aim to make the coffee experience effortless and blissful, with our cutting-edge, user-friendly capsule refill system. Reusable coffee capsules are nothing new, but most of them can't assure effective refilling until now. Greeniso is intelligently designed to resolve the problems faced by regular reusable coffee capsules. Not just that, our Greeniso also assures a convenient no-mess experience, conscientious eco-friendly design, as well as money-saving capabilities. Greeniso's attempt to address the deficiencies of refillable capsule machines is laudable. It looks like a version 1 product, but the device is an affordable and flexible addition for an eco-minded coffee drinker's kitchen. Coffee Fermentation's New Culture Coffee has been a hot topic globally for decades. Growth and innovation in preparation, the emergence of numerous new roasters, innovative coffee shops, increased direct trade, Increasing interest in home preparation and many other aspects make up this new coffee boom. With the popularity of the Barista Championships, which have existed since 2000, the public, and consequently also the coffee industry, is increasingly interested in specialty coffee and the artisan preparation of luxury coffee. As a result, coffee is finally becoming more than just an invigorating elixir that keeps us awake and focused at work. The competition is characterized by select coffee beans, special varieties and styles of preparation. For the first time, two species of coffee that were not C. arabica received awards at the World Barista Championships. The two species, C. eugenoides and A. C. liberica, can be the subject of another story. New types of drinks and unique taste experiences are in demand and determine success or failure in the increasingly fiercely competitive market at championships, but also increasingly in high-quality specialty coffee shops and roasting plants. Consumers are looking for new taste experiences and stories for understandable and recognizable differences. It is all the more astonishing for an industry in which almost every leaf is turned over for the tiniest innovation, that the subject of how coffee was originally processed has been criminally neglected for so long. For a long time, only the washed coffees are considered to be of high quality and special. This is also reflected in the traditional designations of the coffees as WIP, West Indian Preparation, for the washed export coffee and RP, Regular Preparation, for the dry prepared coffee, which mostly remained in the growing countries. A late holdover from colonialism for sure, but still firmly anchored in many minds of the coffee industry in both producing and consuming countries. For some years, naturals have developed as the new secret stars of specialty coffees. 
With their high level of natural sweetness and their wild, broadly aromatic characters, they quickly gained a large following in the new world of coffee. Incidentally, in Ethiopia, this type of processing was always the dominant one and was considered much more on par with washed coffee than in any other coffee-producing country. Nine different anaerobic types of fermentation make up the vast majority in the food sector. The pulped naturals also experienced a new appreciation, especially under the new term, honey preparation, especially in the darker roasts, in which they still present an impressive sweetness. The repertoire of the differentiated subforms of this preparation, accompanied by a pure, clear, impressive sweetness, now ranges from yellow, to red, and to black honey. And what became of the washed coffees? They too, lacked a new story, a new coat of paint, a new character. However, the coffee industry is very good at this, new names for well-known things in a new coat of paint or slightly different, light effects. One of my favorite examples is the Ethiopian mochas, the wild unclassified coffee plants that have come to be referred to as heirloom, so hip and sexy now. And where is fresh paint for washed coffee and the fermentation that has always taken place in the coffee area? They have now received it as anaerobic fermentation or carbonic maceration. Almost all fermentations are anaerobic, although many in the coffee industry do not know that, so that sounds good again. The carbonic maceration actually dates back to 1934 from the red wine processing in France in the Beaujolais, and came from experimental grape storage, which started fermentation after three months even without an oxygen supply. It's not really new, but it sells well, and the topic of fermentation would offer a huge playground to intervene significantly in the topic of coffee taste and create new, unique taste experiences. In addition to aerobic, acetic acid fermentation, Nine different anaerobic types of fermentation make up the vast majority in the food sector. It can be divided into spontaneous and controlled fermentations, and a distinction is made between the microorganisms that determine the fermentation and its degradation products. A large group of bacteria and yeast has been used by mankind for thousands of years to produce numerous products such as bread, wine, beer, yogurt, cheese, pickled vegetables and much more. The exciting thing is that almost all of these are controlled fermentations, there are only a few exceptions, and coffee is one of them. Uncontrolled fermentation is probably one of the most significant weaknesses of coffee because a completely new coffee is created every harvest year, as a random product of microorganisms and fermentation processes. The industry will benefit from more depth, eschewing the current practice of assigning lurid new names or emphasizing elements that are nothing special, like anaerobic fermentation. An approach that focuses more on science and less on marketing would be welcome.